Welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Today I'm chatting with acclaimed designer and architect Ron Arad. Ron was born in Tel Aviv, educated at the Jerusalem Academy of Art, and later at the Architectural Association in London. He co-founded the design and production studio One Off with Carolyn Thorman in 1981. And later, in 1989, Ron Arad Associates Architecture and Design Practice was formed. In 2008, he set up Ron Arad Architects. Ron was awarded the Royal Designer for Industry in recognition of his sustained excellence in aesthetic and efficient design for industry. And he was awarded the London Design Medal in 2011. He was Professor of Design at the Hochschule in Vienna from 1994 to 1997 and later Professor of Design Products at the Royal College of Art in London. Ron's constant experimentation with the possibilities of materials such as steel, aluminium or polyamide and his radical reconception of the form and structure of furniture has put him at the forefront of contemporary design. Ron, thanks so much for joining us. As I start all the time with all my um, podcasts, I was just wondering if you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, about myself. I mean, I'm just, I've been under house arrest now for almost two years uh, to, to do with all sorts of things, a bit with the pandemic, a lot with the pandemic. I've been working from here, uh, different uh Doing the same thing. I mean, it's actually the same things that I am doing ever since I was eight years old. Uh, you know, just uh, sketching, talking, uh, imagining things. What if I do this? What if I don't do this? You know, curiosity. And and I've been lucky that uh, I wasn't the only one curious in what I'm doing. There were other people curious about it. So that's that allowed me to continue doing the same thing I'm doing. So uh, if you want the name for it, it's luxury. But anyway, culture is, is always been a surplus to requirement. You know, you just, uh, you talk about recipes and cookbooks and things when you have enough to eat. If you don't, you just eat whatever you find. You talk about architecture when you have a, a shelter. If you don't, any cave would do or any, any cover would do. And, uh, you know, if you're drowning, you shout help. And if you're not drowning, you say, help me if I can. I'm feeling down and I do appreciate you being... I mean, it is... I mean, we are... I'm not guilty about it, but what we do... I mean, culture is surplus to... essential to requirement. And uh, and I think it's, it's good, you know. We do need music, poetry, uh, art cooking, even fashion, you know, it's just like... So, I mean, you've got such a varied portfolio of work and expertise. I mean, do you think of yourself as an architect, as a designer, or do you not classify yourself in any of those categories? Uh, well, if you look at, at our current Instagram now, uh, you'll see the show... Uh, I mean, we're going to through exhibitions that we did in the last years. Now it's at... at this week, it's it's uh, an exhibition that my uh, retrospective at the moment called No Discipline, which answers answers the question. I mean, I'm not I don't I'm not an exclusive member of any discipline, and also I'm not a very disciplined person. So, I mean, the problem is it art, is it design, is it architecture? It's not my problem. 
there is a tendency to put you in compartments that I sort of always avoided, not because it was a struggle or a fight, because that's the only thing I could do. I mean, I don't, and within, you know, if within designs, say, if you, if you design something you can sit on, I mean, it could be, if it's meant for mass production, it has different criteria, like the, the economy of production, the quantities, blah, blah, blah. And the, But you can do something you can sit on. I did a lot of seats that uh, the destination was not a shop and not uh, like people that moved in, for people that moved into a new house and they bought a table and they need four chairs around it. I can do that. I like doing that as well. But it's more for what we call studio pieces, like a gallery and things. Um, look, uh, a, a piece that I did in 93, like in the studio called the D-Sofa, and we sold for a few thousand pounds, very expensive those days. Uh, about three, four months ago, was sold at at Philips auctions for 1.25 millions. Uh, now, there's, a, there's an interesting thing about, about discipline. If it was classified as art, uh, there's something like uh, artists resales, resale rights, and I would get a cut. But because you can put your bum on it, and if they classify it as design, uh, they don't think they have to pay me my artist's right. I mean, that's a different discussion, but but the, 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 there you go. I mean, Oscar Wilde once tried to describe art as something that's not functional, and I don't buy that. I tend to go more to his other division. He said there's two types of people in the world, charming people and tedious people. And I, I go, I'll, I'll have that for anything, you know, like this charming object and tedious objects. And uh, people, you know, that, and for me, it's more interesting whether, is it art? Is it design? Uh, it's not my problem. I, I do things that I'm curious about, that I enjoy doing, that, and hopefully other people enjoy what I'm doing. Even if someone would have to accept it, uh, as a different category that they anticipated. Is there a distinction that needs to be made between the designed object and art, or should it all be classified in the same way? I don't know. I don't know who needs to classify. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it is. Um, you know, let people. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to classify uh, classifiers. I'm talking about myself. I know that I'm, I'm in the middle of working on an architectural project, and I know that architects tend to use the constraints as the canvas, and they quite enjoy that, you know, what they can't do as the something that leads them in what they do do. With me, it's the opposite. I mean, I, I do what I do, and then the constraints, I tweak if I have to, and I, but it, I, I never, the starting point is not the rules and regulation and the constraints and things. They are the necessary evil. Some people use them as the uh, starting point. 
Uh, I have nothing against them. Depends if what they do is is charming or tedious. Yeah, and that I suppose that kind of gives you the freedom to experiment and innovate in the way you do because you don't have those constraints. You start from your imagination. Yeah. 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 So I was So what's the most exciting thing about what you do? You know, if you and just thinking about starting, you know, I, I guess you start with a pen and paper. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, exciting thing is to have something in the evening that did not exist in the morning, you know, and the uh, and, uh, exciting thing is to, I'm right now, today I'm getting a lot of pictures from the foundry. And uh, I wish I was, I could be there, but I can't. But uh, it's something that I've been working on in the last uh, months. And today, I get amazing videos from the foundry. And my favorite sentence, it's better than I deserve. That is, that is, that's a good one, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So and, what's uh, happening at the foundry? They're casting a piece that, uh, that I'm doing that, you know, just, um, and it's, uh, it's very exciting. I can't. I can't share it with you yet because it's not out yet. But uh, uh, it is. I might even. I might even put on social media that pictures with fire and things of the things. Very exciting. Not revealing what it is yet. Right. And is the foundry in the, in England or is it elsewhere? The foundry is in England. Oh, it's, okay. You know, it's foundry that used to do. Henry Moore and and things like that. So that's so that's exciting. I mean, you've been so during lockdown. I mean, we you started we started with the conversation about being constrained during lockdown. It doesn't sound like you were constrained during lockdown, apart, apart from being at home. I am. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm saying I did. Did it have some benefits? Yeah. I mean, maybe, but. Would I choose it? No, it's not. It's not. Uh, I have. I mean, the luxury I have. I mean, I work in a conservatory that I that I built, and I have a, a garden as part of it. And and what would I do without it? Is that a raviolo chair in the garden? It's not a raviolo. It's it's the little Albert. Oh, okay. You've been doing your homework. Yeah. Well, I, I've you know I know that you're. I know your work from you know from many years already. Yeah, it is. It is a. It is a, a little Albert. It's when I had a show at the at the uh, Victorian Albert Museum. This chairs were new, so I'm sit. I'm sitting on a Victorian Albert chair now. This and there's little them. And there's anyway. There's a very nice article that you can find. Um, actually, they did a book at the uh, Victorian Albert to celebrate some anniversary. I can't remember which one. And they asked people that had chose there to do two pages. And I, I republished an article in the Telegraph, a review of my show. The title of it was, How Did They Allow This Disgrace to Happen? <laughs> and someone complained about having plastic wow. in the Victorian Albert Museum. Wow. And, and this... For me, it was the, I mean, the highlight of the show.
does that spur you on when people kind of write things, those sorts of things? Do they? Does it make Look, you? Look, it's much better when people write nice things about you. But but sometimes, sometimes if someone writes, I mean, like I remember this. Uh, there's, do you know Enzo Mari? Yeah, he was he was uh, an Italian designer that respected a lot. You know, good. When I came to Italy in the early 80s, when I started going, somehow, I mean, I was the strange person for them. There's a great article by Ettore Resotas, uh, And he says, are there new types of people that I didn't know about? And I became friendly with all of them, except Enzo Mari. So that he, for him, it was very difficult to... Um, and he was once interviewed by a British design magazine. And he was asked about British design. Do you have, uh, uh, what do you think about Ron Arad's bookworm? And his, his answer was, Ron Arad is pure shit. Ron Arad is merda pura. And of, course, of course, the editor of the, uh, of the magazine made it the title because he had like, Ron Arad is pure shit. It, uh, look, did it, Upset me? No. Did it cheer me up? It made me laugh. It made me laugh. And uh, I still think that Enzo Mari is a great designer. I didn't say, but uh, you know, I see that people have problems with uh, with things that that's newer. I mean, like uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, do you think when people see something that they're not seen before? It- prompts them to react in a different way because it's something new. Some people, re- people respond differently. I mean, I I like it if I see things that I don't immediately understand of, of you know, by, and first of all, I'd like to, um, I like to be jealous. I mean, like, I mean, like when I have an idea and, you know, the ideas are never the problem. The, the, the problem is too many ideas if you want. Problem is which ideas do you give time to and which you don't, which idea you invest in. And there's a very simple test. You you close your eyes and think, if I saw this in a gallery by someone else, would I be jealous? No? I won't do it. Yes? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, so if I go to a show, to an art gallery, or to a show, and nothing makes me jealous there, it's not a good show. So, I mean, I mean, it's not, I mean, I, I mean, it's not, a, not jealous in a nasty way, but jealous in a, hmm, wow, look at that, you know, why didn't I think of that? Or this is better than anything, you know, I have, I have a, up above here, I have a, uh, the prototype that Ingo Maurer did of a light called Porca Miseria. It made out of cutlery, of uh, crockery. And this is the prototype that I, we used to exhibit together. And so I said, I want it. And when people come to my house, they look, ooh, I love your things. I love everything you do. And they point, point at the chandelier and said, this is my favorite. Yeah, it's not mine. It's it's a fascinating, well, yeah, it's fascinating to have that approach to kind of being so open about 
you know, other ideas though. Look, some people can do good work even if I don't like their attitude. Even if I don't, if even if, uh, and um, I don't know if you want to go back to luxury and things. Yeah. If you if you do if you do a piece that you sit on, it is much better than if it's comfortable. And it's uh, and and it, there's a lot of, you know, when I did the well temperature, you know, the well temperature. Yeah. I mean, it's a chair that uh, people hesitate before they were brave enough to sit on it. And then it was new. I mean, I had like lots of videos and it was as if someone gave the text to everyone that sat on it. English. Actually, it's very comfortable. I mean, it's just like this sentence. People that write, actually, it's very comfortable. Which means, against my expectations, it is comfortable. Because you sit on a piece of steel and it, it behaves like a waterbed. Uh, anyway, so this is this this what it means is that it's it's people enjoy if expectations are broken. If something is not as they expected it, and it is much better if something uh, if the expectations are, are broken in a positive way. It it would be terrible if a chair looks so comfortable you sit on it and. It's not. It's much better if it's the other way around. If something look doesn't look as if you enjoy sitting in it and you do, that's better. I was just wondering, just in terms of design and you know all the projects that you've done over the years, whether it's architectural or product design, graphic design, have you seen significant changes in the way you know customers react to the types of products that you? Do over the years has there been a change in reaction? I mean, people develop awareness, and uh, and then they connect things to. Ooh, they connect. They can connect uh, the rover chair that was a ready-made thing to other. When I, I mean, people learn to. Um, that's what we do. We just we put we put things together, and we make a we connect them. And we understand them better sometimes, and uh, yeah, I mean it is. There was I mean, there was an exhibition now recently called Creative Salvage in in uh, in New York, and I was a little bit to blame for it, you know, like uh, you know, like I think Tom Dixon's first show was in my studio, and and there were other in, and and. I didn't always like the way it went because they they uh, it was sort of I didn't like neo baroque I don't like neo anything any neo is good news is bad news for me uh, but you know looking at it now you know just I I I, I enjoy it you know though what I'm saying is you do things and then you change you change the rationale you change the lyrics after you do them. It's not that you do some things, you write the manifesto and you work for it. First you do things, then the manifesto wraps it. Um, like when I started learning how to weld and to do these volume pieces, uh, I wasn't a professional welder and not, no one around me was. And, you know, so the rationale was, why does everything have to be perfect? 
Why can't it be like, you know, like sketches, like, uh, like action painting? Why do I have to? And then later we got better and better. And the same piece, if you take the big easy, the first ones were rough and thin. And then as we developed, why can't a piece of furniture be like a piece of jewelry? You know, you change the lyrics and you change. And, and so, I mean, like, uh, the words come later. But first comes the, uh, you know, like, the doing of it. Uh, and that is, and going back to the word luxury, I, I'm privileged. I, I, I gained, I earned myself this luxury of, of, of doing just what I'm doing, you know, like. So is the, uh, is the luxury in that you are now free to do whatever you want? I mean, no, one's, no one is totally free to do whatever they want, but I have earned a lot of freedom to do, to do things. Uh, sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes uh, the, the world is completely around you, sometimes not. You know, some, you know, some, you know like sometimes uh, you believe in things and you think, wow, going to be and sometimes it's not it's okay do you think that we need that physical tangible object to describe or feel luxury it depends i mean i mean i i, uh, I do both you know like i do i mean technology is a tool not more not more than a tool although sometimes you can get so excited by technology and, and technology becomes the main thing. I remember like in the last millennium, uh, discovering what we used to call then rapid prototyping, uh, rapid prototyping that became 3D printing. But uh, it was a very exciting, you know, the most exciting thing for me was to, to have a show in Milan called Not Made by Not Made in China. And to give a lecture and to explain to Achille Castiglioni, one of my heroes, what it is. It was, uh, but yes, you're forgiven to get excited by technology, but you have to know that technology is a tool. It's like a, like a chisel. It could be a chisel, it could be a mouse, it could be a, it doesn't matter. What matters is what, what you're doing with it. You know, someone shows you something and said, oh, look at that. It is uh, 3D printed and it's recycled and blah. Yes, but it's ugly and uncomfortable. So, I mean, who cares? Now, I, th I think that's interesting what you're saying about 3D printing because when, so it's been around, I mean, most people don't realize how long it's been around for and they think it's this design solution. You know, it's the solution to everything. Yeah, I was really, I was really upset when the Victorian Albert bought the 3D printed gun I thought I was really upset by it because there was, yeah, first of all, it wasn't exciting design-wise, the process was, and um, I, I'd rather they didn't. I mean, what's interesting is that you're, do I call it a repertoire? It's so diverse. Because, I, I mean, people don't understand when I say that I do so much because I'm lazy and I'm not, uh, some people do this one thing and they do it intensely and they do it, I'm, I'm, I jump from one thing to another. Could be bad. Sometimes it's good, but uh, I'm not methodical. Right. I was going to ask you about: Do you have a, a design process? 
design process is is, is uh, have an idea and uh, sketch it and talk to and talk about it. I mean, the, you have the people around you that you talk to that like. Um, do you know anything about about the love song project? It started when I, I, I did a series called Don't Fuck With The Mouse. Do you know anything about it? Yeah, yeah, that I know. Yeah. And every, I did, it's a series of 20 and I did, I, I did them all on Fridays. So every Thursday, now I think, what am I going to do tomorrow? And uh, I wanted to look in my mind for a word that is, because the two years of the Mickey that could, even if it's mirrored, it says a word, so I found love and song. So after that, I went and did this, which is you take love and you get the song out of it. And then, okay, if, ah, if that's the case, the shadow of love is song. And then there's a, a sculpture. Then I think, ooh, what if I extrude the song and twist it? And So where does the inspiration for something like that come from? I explained to you, I mean, ideas are not a problem. The problem is which ideas to invest in. And this one, when I imagine this, of course I'll do it. So, I mean, this is like an example of something that before, a day before, on Wednesday, if someone mentioned love song to me, it wouldn't mean anything. I mean, but on, on Friday morning, it was a whole project that, you know, from the Don't Fuck With The Mouse Chair became something... Uh, and this year, there's going to be a huge one in marble in, in, in Milan that for Interni magazine. Uh, and it all came because when I was working on it, someone from Verona, a marble company, he came to visit me in the garden. And he said to me, I want something difficult to make. And I said, are you sure? And said, yes. Okay. And I gave him, I gave him this. Uh, to do and uh, he did it wow and that's going to be shown in Milan yeah a big a big version I haven't seen yet they're working on it now as we speak your design process you don't just sit down and think I've got to come with I mean you're generating ideas all the time yeah I mean generating ideas that's a big yeah there's there there are things there are things to do and 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 I think if I if I think about it, uh, the biggest source of ideas is, is the work itself. Because when you do something, you can do this, or, but, but maybe you should do it like that. So you, you do it like that later, or you get ideas while working on something. I gave you an example, like the, uh, the love song. I, just, I was just looking for a word that, that, I could, that is not a, a palindrome, but a visual palindrome. And and I found I found love and song. Lucky me, you know. It's not that I'm not I'm not a poet. But uh, but as soon as love song came to my world, of course there's other ways of using it, and of course there's ooh there's uh, and I haven't started yet. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about that process is that you've come up with the idea, but then. It's manifested itself into so many different mediums because you showed, you know, there's a extruded version, there's a marble version, there's a paper version, a metal version. Yeah. Why? 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 Why limit yourself? I mean, whatever, whatever is exciting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, I think that's what's inspiring, isn't it? That there's no limit to your creativity. Yeah, I mean, it is, um, I don't know, it's all to do with, uh, uh, I'm not very good at doing what I'm expected to do, uh, or, but I always, ever since I was a child, I found different ways of doing things and yet get applauded. You know, that is probably what I'm doing now, not different. I'm not, a, I'm not the greatest ping pong table, but I'm one of the best players on my ping pong table because, you know, I made it, uh, I gave it the belly and uh, any, anyway. So it is, and, and I enjoy it. And luckily, other people enjoy it too. So there we go. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, well, I suppose that's, you know, probably the, one of the most important things is that people enjoy the work. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, otherwise, there wouldn't be any work. Often people think, you know, luxury is expensive. Do you kind of equate luxury and price, or do you think luxury has got nothing to do with a, a monetary value? Well, um, people complain about uh, the cost of things. First of all, go back to what we talked about, like studio pieces, the cost of production is not the main thing, like when you do something uh, like mass-produced. It's a, it's a different thing. And I always thought that you can consume something without purchasing it. When I go and see an exhibition of, of uh, I don't know, Giacometti, the last thing I'm interested in is how much is it? How much does it cost? I know I can't afford it. I know it's not, and it doesn't disturb me enjoying it, the fact that it costs that much money. I mean, I, I, I consume it without, I don't need to own it. it. Would be nice if you have, yeah, anyway. Gabe Giacometti, and there's an example of someone that, that did this one thing through his life, the same thing, the opposite of me. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm not, this is to say, I'm not saying that the way I'm doing things is the way to do things and and people should jump from one thing to the other. No, I have a lot, I enjoy a lot of work of, of people that are exactly the opposite of me. Uh, and we just hit on, a, on an example of someone that did more and more these long figures and I love, I love all of them. So luxuries then, it's I mean, interesting that you said it's about experiencing it without having to own it. Um, but what we see much more today is that, you know, these big luxury brands who are pushing ownership of their products. And I wondered if you thought that there's a kind of a, a slight disconnect in the way luxury brands, you know, promote what it is that they um, produce. Um, look, I'm not... I'm not exactly in the market for it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not jealous. I, I love you. I'm not jealous of, of of things that I can't afford, and I'm not jealous of. I uh, I don't know. It is. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm, go on. No, no. I was just interested because earlier you were you were talking about um, um, welding, and you were talking about in effect craftsmanship and you know whether it needs to be beautifully finished and things like that and I suppose there's an assumption that your work now 
is beautifully made and beautifully finished, whether it's a studio depends piece. How, depends how you define beautiful. I mean, I, I, uh, I think the early pieces that I wish I could, I could uh, go back, do, I can't pretend, you can't pretend and, and, and go back to your, your, child, your drawing as a child. You can't. It had beauty that it had beauty that uh, that the more sophisticated production doesn't have. I mean, there was a period when we moved from making stuff in a studio in in, in London, moved it to people in Italy that were much more uh, sophisticated uh, producers than us, and some pieces just there was a series that we started. And then it was continued in in Italy, the series. Some uh, smart collectors would never buy the ones that were made in Italy. They'll go back to the to the, the ones that we made in London for all sorts of reasons. But that exists. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I sometimes sometimes uh, see things that I haven't seen for many years. That you know, and I'm that I don't own, and I'm very jealous of. I think one of the nicest, the nicest times in the uh, Pompidou Center, which was the first no discipline retrospective, was I did I did about six chairs that I used to call the Tinker Chair, and this is this is the chairs that you know just bend the metal, hammer it. Shape it, weld it, let the paint burn when you, you know, things like that. First one was a pleasure to do because I didn't know what, what was coming. Second one, uh, all the stuff that I didn't do right on the first one, I think. Third one was mm, getting, fourth one was too knowing. Fifth was perfect. Sixth was, I did six of them. And each one of them went to a different, continent or a different country and it was a real joy to because for the retrospective we collected it from the the, the various owners that all these siblings met at the Pompidou Center they did not meet each other before because I did one and then it went I don't know where then whoop it's like a reuniting a group of siblings, and it was uh, that was a good, a good, a good, uh, delightful minute. Is there luxury in the development of the product, and then you know you having? Yeah, there is. There is joy. There is joy in it, and uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I mean it is. Uh, there's also a great joy in, in doing. Uh, Sending drawings to a jacquard weaving company in Belgium, and getting getting the stuff back. Um, and again, I'll tell you the sentence. And what you get is better than what I deserved. You know, it's like uh, if I can give you an example here. Yeah, because I th- I think you know with all the conversations I've had for this, um, the podcast, is that there's so many iterations and kind of interpretations of luxury. And it's really interesting how nearly everybody I've spoken to interprets it so differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, you walk you walk in the street and you see the cars 
covered uh, like crystals. And then you imagine like what, you know, what's behind them. What's, and then you said, I'll do a sketch. I'll do a sketch. This is a sketch of, of something that's spread off over a Morgan. And then this is, was going to be uh, my entry for the summer show at the Royal Academy. And the uh, pandemic and that, and that it didn't happen. And, but the fabric arrived and the fabric was glorious. So why did you decide to do that in Belgium? Uh, do, do you know someone that could do it in here? It could do it. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I, so has technology impacted the way you work? Uh, as I said before, technology is a tool. I mean, I, I like technology. I mean, this is amazing. But working in Africa with artisans, no technology is, is amazing as well. It's not one or the other. It is both, you know, whatever. This is, and, you know, this collection, luxury of working with, with and after that, you discover, you discover the fabrics. And the thing, I did, I did some covers of, for the show in LA, Don't Fuck With The Mouse, famous Mickey Mouse uh, artwork, and I covered it. Is, it. is it there? I don't know. Is it not? So that's a that's a wall, that's a Liechtenstein, that is that is an Oldenburg, that's a Damien Hirst Mickey. Do you embrace sustainability in, in your work? Of course. I mean it's like uh, look, do we embrace child labor in your of course if I if I do things, it's part of my duty to make sure it's not made by by exploited children somewhere else in, in, in the globe. But, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very sort of aware of it and I care about it. I don't put it on the flag of my work. I'm not saying this work, this work was not done by, by uh, I think that we have responsibility to, to use uh, materials, um, responsibly and we have responsibility to make sure that we're not destroying the world but and i do i do respect people that make it the main activity in the life i have nothing against them but that's not what i do although when i my first ever piece of furniture the robot chair was put on the cover of a magazine friends of the earth as an example of recycling you know, wow, and I, okay, fine, you know, it's not, um, I embrace, and I'm very happy that, that it has that interpretation, although that wasn't my starting point. I was more interested in ready-made, in, in Marcel Duchamp, and in blah, 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 more than in the environment, but I'm very happy that, that uh, it can be used uh, to make a point that I completely support. And uh, I have very little time for, as I said before, of something that's completely recyc recyclable, but not exciting. In a very similar way, people talk about NFTs, blah, 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 and ooh, look at this. Look. I mean, I again, very little thing... Uh, made my jealousy come out that I've seen, especially in design and furniture. Like if you see like 
a stadium. It will be a bad version of, of the nest. And, and if you see, it's not a bad version of Dubai. And I'm not, and I'm not, I don't know. It is, it's not, it's not the technology and it's not the sustainability, although it's, they're both important and it's not, it is, what is it? And, and uh, I still have the luxury of like and dislike things, even if it, it takes all the points. The, all the politically correctness and blah blah blah, but that's not the main thing. I mean, still, the main thing is, you know, the joy you can get from from something for a while. And that's the luxury. Yeah. Yeah. What is your luxury? Uh, I think we talked about it in the last two hours. No, whatever. The luxury is to 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 uh, to do what I enjoy doing. To do what I enjoy doing and to survive with it. That's a perfect luxury. Yeah. Okay, Ron Arad, thank you so much for joining me on the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you to our partners, Intellect Books. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can listen to all our previous episodes on your favorite listening platform or at inpursuitofluxury.com. Join us next time on the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast.